0: And I might be ranting, but it's a biblical rant. Double fisting again today. it's a good morning, a great coffee, a great diet soda. It's a perfect combination for a productive day. Uh, get something to drink, settle in, get a Bible, get a pad, get a pen, and um, let's jump into this. I'm gonna give you plenty of scriptures today. This is not my opinion. Thank you, Ben Jerome. Um, you'll have to do it again because of the mispa. but thank you for the seed. Um, Plenty of scripture. This is not just me, my emotions, my thoughts. This is not just me giving you what's in my mind. I'm not just irritated uh, or anything like that. This is Bible. I'm teaching you Bible today. Denise and Glenn love you both. Uh, So I'll give you plenty of scriptures. This is not me taking one little scripture out of context and trying to make a doctrine out of it. I'm going to give you plenty of scripture today for what I'm talking about, but it's time to block some people it's time to block some people He said is that even is that even God's heart brother is that even the heart of the Lord it is and it's so much the heart of the Lord that he the Holy Spirit when I say he I mean the Holy Spirit inspired these biblical writers to write what I'm going to tell you today and there are people that for some reason do not want to adhere to what the Bible says uh in this context as Ben Fraley's calling it in the comments, a block party, it's time to have a block party. Um, there are biblical times where we are to literally disassociate ourselves with people altogether. I know that's like the opposite of what you're taught in biblical Christianity today, because people, I guess, just ignore these multiple scriptures that I'm gonna share with you today. But there comes a time, scripturally, where you're to completely disassociate yourself from people, block them. And I don't mean just on social media. I mean, block them from your life for, and you'll see it. This is the instruction of God to his people, the instruction of God. This is not somebody's opinion. So I want to start today and there'll be plenty. I got at least six or seven places. I'm going to take you in the Bible and we're talking new Testament. This is not some Old Testament thing that didn't get carried over into grace. We're talking about under grace. See, oh brother, I don't think you understand we're under grace now, not works. No, I'm talking under grace. This is New Testament talk. And that freaks people out. It's like, are you serious? This is how we're supposed to be like even in the new covenant, even in the new covenant. This is under grace. So share this with somebody. It's time to block some people. Um, let's start in the book of Titus. We'll go to Titus, which is just before Philemon. And if that doesn't help you, <laughs> you can go to the contents page. But Titus, then Philemon, then the book of Hebrews, if that helps you more. Titus chapter three, ninjas in the house. Love you, man. Titus chapter three now this is uh, if you're not familiar with Titus a very short letter written from Paul to Titus and um, he's dealing with several different things it's a pastoral letter he's not writing to a church he's writing to a pastor so it's a different type of letter but giving him instruction about what he should do as a pastor you know there's several pastoral letters that Paul wrote and then there's letters to the churches um, this is one of the pastoral ones and um, I'm going to take you to the end of the letter as Paul's wrapping it up right before his final instructions and greetings. Chapter 3, and we're going to look at verses 10 and verse 11. And I want to start with this. This is the Holy Spirit inspiring Paul the apostle to tell his pastor Timothy, or excuse me, Titus, how he should respond in this situation. Check it with me. Titus 3:10 and 11. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Verse 11, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful and he is self-condemned. There it is right there. So, So let's break this down. This is Paul the Apostle writing by inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Giving instruction to a pastor, Titus, about how he should handle people who stir up division. Now, if you've been following me this week, uh, I dealt with, in one of the broadcasts this week, people who bring division among the brothers and sisters in Christ. How dangerous it is, how wicked it is to bring division. We talked about relationships to ditch this week. If you missed that broadcast, go back and watch it. But one of those types of relationships was people who always bring division. There's not unity, we need unity. And so here it's so serious that Paul tells Titus, when you find a person who's constantly stirring up division, now there's grace, there's there's obviously grace, because you're warning them once, And you warn them twice. They've had chances. It's not like you're immediately cutting them off. They've had chances. Warning them once. And then warning them twice. The Bible says after that. Then have nothing more to do with him. Who? The person stirring up division constantly. Why? Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. And he is self-condemned. Self-condemned. So I want you to get this in your spirit. This is how bad the spirit of division is. This is what the Holy Spirit is prescribing for people within the church. We're not talking sinners here. We're not talking sinners. This is a pastoral letter. This is Paul telling Titus when you're dealing with people among the body that are constantly stirring up divisions, mark those people, mark those people. And, and know that this is a problem. Warn them once, that's grace. Warn them twice, you're giving them space to repent. But if they won't, that's an excommunication, my friend. That's a block. We're cutting you out. Because we care more for what's going on in the body of Christ. That's a cancer. Get this. That's a cancer. You don't feed a cancer, you cut it out. You cut it out. That's exactly what this is. You say, well, really? You, you really believe like that? I absolutely believe like that. I absolutely believe like that. And I'll show you why in another passage we're going to go to in a minute. But, but notice this. If they stir up division, give them chances. Give them chances. That's what boundaries are. Warn them. You know, because if people don't know, maybe they're, you know, maybe they've never been told. Maybe they're allowed to do that wherever they go. It's not allowed here you warn them once. You warn them. Now listen, we've already talked about this. I'm telling you one more time. Don't do that. Don't bring division. Don't do all that nonsense that splits the body up. And if they continue acting like that, Paul's very clear. Have nothing more. See, what do you mean by nothing more? Literally, nothing more. Well, you know, I still see them outside of church and we go get lunch. No. Have nothing more to do with them. That sounds cultish, brother. It's not cultish. That's New Testament Christianity in the church new it's just that people don't have the cojones to do that anymore people are so worried about what other people think I don't care the Bible's clear and we don't have the time as believers with how short time is how short time is and Jesus is coming there's work to be done to allow division to come into the body of Christ we don't have the time for that Glenn said I've had to do that with good friends it's sad Because people won't get their life right. People won't get their lives together. And they continue doing what the Bible says don't do. I can't walk with you if we're not agreed. And I can't have anything to do with division. Now, this always comes up if we talk about something like this. And um, Shelly asks the question on YouTube, what if it's apparent? And we always have to deal with that subject because the Bible also says that we're to honor our mother and father. And we are. However, uh, I, I truly believe that there is a balance between honoring your mother and father and obeying the scripture in this way that we're talking about here, about having nothing more to do with them. Obviously, you can't never again speak to your mother and father and still honor them. But I'll tell you one thing. One of the things that's caused division is that moms and dads uh, who refuse to live for God and do things that the Bible says shouldn't be done. They're getting drunk. They're sexually immoral. they do- I mean, whatever the Bible lists that is displeasing to God. I'm not allowing my children to go over and spend time at their house where people are smoking weed. People are getting drunk. There's always, you know, you got a single mother or whatever and there's boyfriends in nonstop through the house, different men all the time. I'm not sending my children over to that house now if you want to still see your children or your grandchildren you can come see your grandchildren but there comes a time where there needs to be there needs to be a conversation there needs to be a conversation that what what's going on with your life you know of course we're believing for your mother and father to be saved no question we don't stop praying for them we don't stop asking God to bring them in we want household salvation no question but there comes a time where there needs to be a real conversation. What's going on? If you want to have a relationship with us and your grandchildren, and you want to continue to have this, you realize we're serving the Lord. I can't send my kids over to your house where you're getting drunk. You got, you got men in or you got women in all through the week. You, you over there smoking weed, whatever it is. I don't care what it is. Now, if they're just not serving the Lord, that's a different story. And keep in mind, this is talking about people that are within the body of Christ, which we'll deal with more in a moment. But if your parents just aren't serving the Lord, but they're not out here committing these egregious sins that are a bad example to your children, you can continue to honor your mother and father without having nothing more. This is speaking specifically about people who are in the body of Christ causing divisions in the body of Christ. So there is a difference and you can continue to honor your mother and father, uh, even if they're not serving the Lord, but you have to set those boundaries, especially with your grand, their grandchildren, your children. I'm not sending my kids over there where there's immorality and people getting drunk and people getting high and all this other stuff. If you want to come see them, come see them in our environment, come see them in our house where we don't drink and get high and get drunk and have, you know, uh, we're not doing all that. So See what I mean? So there is a line. This is speaking about people who are in the body of Christ causing divisions in the body of Christ. And he says, have warned them once, warned them twice, then have nothing more to do with them. Have nothing more to do with them. Nothing more. So really? Yes, absolutely. Nothing more to do with them. Let's jump over real quickly to 1 Corinthians chapter 5. This is an interesting passage. Brit was uh, just referencing this moment ago in the comments section. But 1 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul has to make an apostolic decision from another place. He's not in Corinth. He's obviously writing them a letter. Um, But apparently there's an issue, and I'm going to make some comments here that I wish people would acknowledge this. But 1 Corinthians 5, we'll start at the beginning because there's a dude in the church who is having sex with his stepmother. There's a guy in the Corinthian church having sex with his stepmother, proclaims to be a believer. Apparently, the family proclaimed to be believers, but apparently they're having this issue with sexual immorality even among the family. And Paul says, what's up, Donnie Petty? Good to see you, buddy. It's actually reported, this is verse 1, that there is sexual immorality among you and of a kind that's not even tolerated among pagans. So he's saying you got Christians in your church doing sexual things that even pagans won't do, having his father's wife, that's his stepmother. Really? Okay. Uh, And you're arrogant about it. Ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Interesting, Interesting verse, huh? That's verse 2. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. Can I just stop right there and say, isn't it interesting with all these people teaching uh, that Christians need to have demons cast out of them? And, you know, there's all these different demons they're listing. For example, the demon of lust. I cast the demon of lust out of you. Let me tell you something. Here's a man that if there was ever somebody To cast the demon of lust out of him, it was this man who was having sexual relations with his father's wife. But did you notice Paul did not say, Paul did not say, call a deliverance service and and lay hands on that dude and cast the spirit of lust out of him. Didn't say that. He said, stop doing it. Self-control. You are empowered as a believer to have self-control. That's what Paul's prescription was. You should have already dealt with this and just told him stop doing what you're doing. That's the whole point of Titus chapter three, right? Warn them once, warn them twice, just stop doing it. That's correction and you're empowered. You are empowered to obey that instruction and to stop. There's no demon to cast out. Well, he operating under a spirit of lust, got a demon of lust, no. Your flesh wants to lust. That's what the Bible teaches in Galatians five. The, the Bible declares lust is actually a fruit of the flesh. Lust is a fruit of the flesh. And if you're a Christian, the Bible says you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to take control, like Paul said in 1 Corinthians nine twenty seven. I make my body do what it should. I put it under on a daily basis, which means as a Christian, you have power over your flesh. And you have the ability to stop it which is what the warning once and twice is all about. Just don't do it anymore. Take control of yourself and operate in the fruit of the Spirit. But because he wouldn't, look at this, let him who has done this be removed from among you. Verse 3, for though absent in body, I'm present in the Spirit, and as if present, I've already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and my spirit is present, With the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh so that his spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord. Cut him off. Cut him off. Now look at this. Drop down to verse 9 in the same chapter. This is very important that you get this because, you know, you always hear people in our generation, well, you shouldn't judge, brother. Don't judge me. Only God can judge me. Put a hand up in the comments if you've heard that said. You can't judge me. Only God can judge me. You can't, you're not God. You can, okay, let's see what the Bible says about it. Verse 9 I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of the world or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you'd have to go out of the world. What, what's he saying by that? He said, I'm not talking about sinners. I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about Christians. He said, I'm talking about Christians, not those in the world. You'd have to leave the world to get away from those type of people because they're all through the world. I'm talking about Christians. Now look at verse 11. But now I'm writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. Do you see that? Don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother. That means that they're in the body of Christ but still doing these things. Don't associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he's guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater or a reviler, a drunkard, or a swindler. Not even to eat with such a one. Don't even eat with those people. For what have I. Now, now here's the part that's going to blow people's minds. It's gonna blow people's minds because nobody talks about it. Paul says in verse 12, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? That's that's a rhetorical question. I'm not not called to judge outsiders. Sinners will sin. Sinners will do what sinners do. I can't judge outsiders, but what does he go on to say? Is it not those inside the church whom you are to judge. God judges those on the outside, but the Bible's, it's written in the Bible, purge the evil person from among you. So notice, Paul is saying that. There are people, you have to judge what's inside the church, but you can't judge what's outside the church. That's 1 Corinthians, Barbara, chapter five, verses nine through 13. 1 Corinthians five, verses nine through 13. Paul's saying, I I can't, I've got no business judging sinners. Sinners will sin. And I can't stop that. But among the church believers in the church, if I'm, if that's pointed out, we understand. Now we know there's grace to be had. There's forgiveness. There's correction. There's warnings. Just like Titus said, warn them once, warn them twice, then have nothing more to do. And I believe that there's grace to be had. Absolutely. There is. And I'm going to show you something else in just a second about this very man that we're talking about. But the Bible says, not only have nothing more to do with them, notice what it says. Do not associate with anyone who calls themselves a Christian than does these things. Don't even eat with such a one. Well, you know, we still hang out from time to time, but no, no. Why do we say that? Because bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts corrupts good character you know why as I said a moment ago it's a cancer that gets and infects the whole body jump up to verse 6 your boasting is not good do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump verse 7 cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are really unleavened for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed so let me explain this to you in a little bit of cultural context Leaven, which if you understand, is one of the elements that when you bake bread, makes bread rise, right? When you cook and bake bread, part of what leaven does is it makes the bread rise and expand. In the Old Testament and in the New Testament, leaven was looked at as a type of sin. That's what he's saying. Leaven is a type of sin. So they use that that, um, ingredient or that element as a type of sin. That's why uh, the Jews would eat unleavened bread, unleavened bread. And even to this day, matzah bread, it's it's unleavened. It's, It's almost like cracker. It's like flatbread. So you say, why? Because there's no leaven in it to make it rise. It's not a loaf of bread. They did it as a type of being set apart, being holy, unleavened bread. There was even a festival of unleavened bread. So They're talking about leaven as a type of sin and they're saying a little bit of leaven will leaven the whole lump. If a little bit of sin is allowed in, it'll spread throughout the whole group if you don't correct it. A little bit of cancer will metastasize and get through the whole body. You cut it out. You warn it, you warn it, then you cut it out. That's the point Paul's making to the Corinthian church. Don't allow it to remain. Cut it out. Cut it out. A little bit of leaven Leaven's the whole lump. So I want you to see this. Did you know, Emily? Um, Emily said, I've heard one preacher who didn't eat with a Christian man because he didn't work. But when the man got a job, the pastor welcomed the, the young man to his family table. The Bible says if you don't work and provide for your family, then you are worse than an infidel, a pagan. You're worse than somebody who has denied the name of God. If you call yourself a Christian and you've refused to work and provide for your family. Bible says that. You're worse than an infidel. Amen. And so we can't just say we're followers of Christ and then not do all the things Christ requires us to do. Then you're not, what does being a follower even mean? Means nothing. You're a follower in name, but not in practice. Then you're not a disciple of Christ because that's what a disciple is. Someone who mimics or imitates the disciplines of their master. That's where we get the word disciple. I'm taking the disciplines of the one who trained me or one who commands me. That's my Lord Jesus Christ. See what I mean? Now, even in this context where this man was cast out of the church because of his immorality, I want you to see the forgiveness, the grace that's available because if you jump over to 2 Corinthians, the next letter, chapter 2, Can you Google that real quick for Karen while I go to Second Corinthians 2? I mean, Google's available. Any Bible application, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, one who does not provide for his family, one who does not work. And Karen, by the way, any go, Google or any Bible website, you can you can search those things. They'll pull right up for you. Um, welcome to the 22nd century. Um, <laughs> we're not there yet. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. No, no, she's going to put it in for you, Karen. We're going to save your fingers. Now, Paul's referring here back to the man that they cast out in 1 Corinthians 5 in 2 Corinthians 2. Look at this. I'll read to you um, verses 4 through 10. For I wrote to you out of much affliction and anguish of heart and with many tears, not to cause you pain, but to let you know the abundant love that I have for you. Now, if anyone has caused pain, he's caused it not to me, but in some measure, not to put it too severely, to all of you. For such a one, this punishment by the majority is enough. That's what Paul's saying. This punishment by the majority is enough. So, verse seven, you should rather turn to forgive and comfort him, or he may be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. So I beg you to reaffirm your love for him. This is why I wrote, that I may test you and know whether you are obedient in everything. And anyone who, whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I've um, forgiven, if for, if I have forgiven anything, has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. So Paul says in his very next letter, it's been enough time now. You've excommunicated him for enough time. He's learned his lesson. Now forgive him. Now bring him back into the fellowship. We don't want him to be disheartened. We don't want him to, to literally stop following Christ. So there is church discipline here, but it's there. It's there. And so I want you to see this. If apparently the man was willing to change, you see that, apparently, because he's not gonna tell him now, yeah, come on back in, you've been out for enough, I mean, you keep on doing what you were doing before, but you know now you've seen this. No, if they're willing to change, that's the whole point. Apparently the man had been willing to change, and he said, all right, he's, he's been gone long enough, bring him back in, and he understood. Because he's very plain in 1 Corinthians 5. Don't even eat with such people. Don't even eat with such people. Why? Well, go with me now, because since we're already in 2 Corinthians, jump over to 2 Corinthians 6. Paul gives a, a much deeper explanation as to why this is in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And I'm telling you, I don't like this That's right. Scotty Irvin said, how are you even the head of the home if you don't provide or even try to? That's right. That's why it's totally against God's system. Totally against God's system. Because if you're a type of Christ as the husband, then you're not imitate. Christ already has provided and continues to provide for the body of Christ. Provides every good thing. Provided us with redemption provided us with the Holy Ghost, provided us with the gifts of the Spirit, provided us with everything, everything we need, provided us with the Word, provided us with natural provisions, everything. And we're not imitating him as men if we don't imitate Christ the way he has provided for the church, which for us, uh, our wife is a type of the church, the Bible says, in Ephesians. Second Corinthians 6, listen starting in verse 14, down through verse 18. This is really the principle. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Now, by the way, this is not a passage, though we use it in relationships, this is not a passage on marriage. This is not a passage on dating, neither one. It's just a a plainly written passage to believers. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? What fellowship does light have with darkness? What accord does Christ have with the devil? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For we are the temple of the living God, as God said. Now, Paul's getting ready to quote two passages of scripture, one from Leviticus and one from Isaiah. Mashes them together into this little passage here. I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. That's Leviticus twenty-six, twelve. Then he quotes from Isaiah. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing and I'll welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you shall be the sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. So notice, that's a command. Go out from among them and be separate from them. Be separate from them. Amen. Elizabeth says, does not working apply to stay-at-home moms? Is keeping up the house? Yes, it is working. Absolutely. And you're blessed if you have a husband that gives you the opportunity to be a stay-at-home mom because the work you're doing with those children and the work you're doing in that home is a vital work. People don't understand it's a vital work. You know, there weren't two career homes for decades, for decades. This is something that was forced on our nation to have to have both parents out of the house working. And now the kids are being raised by TV and kids being raised at daycares. That's not something until the last few decades you know, you go, this century It's like, we didn't have that. We had, we had families where the children were raised by the family. Let me tell you, it is important to be a, a stay-at-home mother. and The work you are doing is important. Trust me when I tell you that. Jessica said, so that can be taxed more. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm telling you, when children are raised properly, you can tell the difference. You can tell the difference immediately. Come out from among them. Be separate from them. Separate. Separated. Don't be, a, my, you know, it's not like, I'm not teaching you like, well, we don't love unbelievers. No, we love unbelievers. I'm, I'm giving my whole life to reaching out to unbelievers. Traveling. I'm, ho- I'm away from home two thirds of the year to go after unbelievers, to see God touch our nation. It's not like I don't care about unbelievers, but at the same time, I don't stick around I got all my best friends are sinners. No, all my best friends are not sinners. All my best friends are not sinners. The people that are in my life that I give access to me are people who believe like I believe that are going in the same direction at the same ferocity. That's who's in my life because iron sharpens iron and bad company corrupts good character. So I'm not going to allow the people that are in my life to be going a different direction than I'm going. What What a stupid thing. What a stupid thing to do. I mean, like, why would I? That's why the Bible said, How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Why would I, as a believer, want to link myself up with somebody who's going in the opposite direction? It's going to be just constant friction. I want to please God. They have no desire to please God. I don't want to get drunk. They want to go out to the bar and to the club and get drunk and drink and hang out. I don't want to live like they live. They're doing it. I don't want to do it. It's a constant tug. It's a constant tug so be separated from them that's why if people aren't making their relationships and friendships within the household of faith they're making a massive massive mistake that the bible says not to make make your friendships in the household of faith that that that's key man that is key let's go to romans chapter 16 last part of romans chapter 16 And let's read verses 17 and 18. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18. I appeal to you, brothers, watch out for those who cause divisions. There it is again. Paul's dealing with this because that's how important being in unity is. Watch out for those who cause divisions. Create obstacles and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you've been taught. Avoid them. There it is There it is um, Jenny said so if people make friends Or whatever with those people Would that be considered sin It's not necessarily a sin But it can lead to sin That's what happens I'm not saying it's a sin If you, have, if, if you befriend someone That's not a Christian But I'm going to tell you it's a stupid thing to do There are things that aren't sin that, But are stupid And that is stupid Because the Bible gives us plenty of principles as to why it's stupid. And I just quoted some from scripture. How can two walk together unless they be agreed? You're not agreed with that person. You're not agreed with them. It doesn't mean you can't be cordial with people. It doesn't mean you can't have people that are your acquaintances. I have people that are acquaintances that aren't saved. But I'm not spending all my time with them and calling them every night and hanging out with them. It's not happening. I agree with Jessica. Distancing yourself from people does not have to be a big production. You can literally just kind of back up. You can literally just kind of go, you know, go silently. Not that you have to fully ghost, but I'm telling you, I would. Because if people have shown me that what they think I've given my whole life for and to is absolute nonsense in their eyes, and they have no desire to do the same, we don't have anything in common christianity listen to me victory tribe christianity is not our hobby it's our life it's the most important thing in our life it's not a hobby so if you've got somebody that mocks it and doesn't understand fine i'll keep praying for you but you've lost my time I'm, i'm not i'm not befriending did you know listen to this um I, was, I wanted to put this out there because if you've never seen it in this way, it's pretty interesting. In the King James Version, which I don't often appeal to, but I, I remember how this hit my mind, Romans chapter 16 and verse 17, now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses. Contrary to the doctrine which you've learned and avoid them. What does the Bible say? Mark them. I should be able to make a mark on who that person is. Oh, marking that. I see that. I'm not letting it slide. I'm marking it in my mind. I'm not, I'm not saying it's oh, not, not a big deal. No, I'm marking that. I'm marking that. The ESV says watch out for those. Watch out for those. What does the New Living Translation say? Probably the same thing. Yep. Watch out for people who caused it. So watch out for them. mark them, mark them that that person has no desire to have unity. They're always trying to cause fights, division issues, talking about people. Verse 18, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive Gene said, what if you have grown children say they're Christians but are living in sin and don't want to hear about Christ? Again, you don't want to destroy your family. You want to continue to uh have a relationship with your family, your loved ones and believe for their salvation. But again, I'm I'm very personally. I am very wary of people that want nothing to do with what the Bible teaches. I don't care what people say they are. I care what, people, what they do. <laughs> you can say you're not a, a you can be a, a white person that says, I'm not a racist. But if you go around saying the N word all the time, you might be a racist. You can say you're not a racist all you want. It's what you do that proves who you are. It's what you do. So people can say, there's a lot of people that say they're Christians. What do they do? The Bible doesn't say you'll know them by what they say. It says you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. So Paul's clear here. Watch out for those that cause divisions. That's the second time we've uh, heard that today. Watch out for those that cause divisions. Brother Kevin Dalton says, you should not think you can save them. Be aware. It's right. It's not you that saves people. It's the Holy Spirit that draws people's hearts to repentance. That's right, Tom Falco. If I say I'm an astronaut, does that make me one? No. As, as the uh, evangelist Billy Sunday used to say, sitting in a gar- going to church no more makes you a Christian than sitting in a garage makes you a car. <laughs> You'll know them by their fruit. If they've got the fruit of Christianity, they're Christians. Amen. Now look. Let me take you to one more. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is big. Then we're going to give you some practical applications here. They're going to help you a lot. 2 Timothy chapter 3. This is Bible prophecy, man. This is Bible prophecy about the last days. The last days. I'll start with verse 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. Put it in the comments. I'm going to read down through verse 5. Understand this, Paul writes that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of themselves. Now, look at this verbiage here. There will come times of difficulty, he uses the word for, or they translated the word for, just like you would use the word because. It's not two separate issues We're like, well there's gonna become times of difficulty and then also people will act like this. No, he's saying, in the last days there will be there will come times of difficulty because people will be lovers of themselves number 1 lovers of money number 2 proud arrogant abusive disobedient to their parents ungrateful unholy heartless unappeasable slanderous without self control brutal not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Look at that. Lists all those things and then says, avoid such people? What if the people that are doing these things say they're Christians? Avoid such people. We're living in the last days because uh, how much have we seen an increase or a rise of all of these traits in society? How could you ever see more of a time where people love themselves and love? I mean, you go back just a hundred years it's not like pictures weren't available in the 1920s. 1923, people were taking pictures, but like your grandfather, your great grandfather had like one picture of himself on the mantle. There was like one picture in existence of your great grandfather. It's the one you used in every time, every time you ever went back to your family tree. There's one picture of great granddad. This is him at his farm. You know, years from now, if Jesus Terry is gonna be like, oh yeah, I got a picture of my grandfather. In fact, I have. 30,000 pictures of my grandfather doing everything he ever did and every meal he ever ate. Here. this is his Instagram on this. I've never seen a day like today where pastors, I, I'm not joking you. and I post pictures of, you, know, me and Carolyn or whatever, but like I'm seeing this more often than not. Pastors are posting pictures of themselves like on Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon. It's just like a, it's like a carousel on Instagram. Of 10 different, out, uh, 10 different pictures of their outfit, their wife isn't even in it. It's just them. Of 10 different pictures of you in different poses of your same outfit, pa- pastors, it's like since when I saw, this is no lie, I saw, I saw an advertisement for an upcoming series at a church and the video advertisement of the series at the church was the pastor getting out of his car in slow motion and kind of strut walking toward the church and catching camera angles of every aspect of his outfit with then close-ups of different parts of his outfit uh, like it was like a, a, a clothing-lined label, like advertisement. And it was like, and then at the end of all the slow motion of the pastor walking slow motion of the church with his shots of his outfit, it then hit us with the graphic of the name of the series at the church. It's like, dude, what does any of that have to do with the series you're preaching at the church? It's just basically us <laughs> looking at you and how great you look. And I'm not saying he didn't look great, put together, looking great, dude. But why am I subjected to a 30 second reel of you walking in slow motion with your clean fit? It's like, I don't get it. I don't get it. Why, are, why is there a carousel of you in one outfit, 10 different poses, and where's your wife? And where's your kids? People love the way they look. They love themselves. Plastic surgerying the crap out of themselves. I live in the, this is the Mecca. Where I live right now, other than Southern California, South Florida, is the Mecca of body modification. This is it, my friends. People love the way they look. They love themselves. We're in selfie central. The Bible says people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money. We're living in that day. Proud. We're living in the day. Pride. We just came through Pride Month. There's never been a more sinful pride awaken the earth than there is today. Never, never. <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr. changed the face of culture, gets one day. Veterans that have died by the millions to keep this country free, get one day. Columbus, who's, who discovered this continent? It gets one day. Pride gets an entire month. Gets an entire month. Sinful pride. People don't even care. Lovers of themselves, proud. Arrogant. Oh, man. Arrogant. Abusive. Disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful. These are all prophecies about the last days. Love you, Scotty. But notice the bottom. Avoid such people. So I'm sure there's people at the end of this asking, okay, so how am I supposed to, how's this supposed to happen in my life? How am I supposed to put this into uh, perspective in my own life? You watch, you do what the Bible says. You watch for these things. If you've, listen, I've done it many times and I will continue to do it. Now that I'm the pastor of a church, I have to do it at even a greater level because you can't just let anything go on at a church. Because you have a heart for the people God's given you, you want to protect what God's given you. You want to keep it a pure place, a place where people can come and receive from the Holy Spirit, where there's not destruction taking place because somebody doesn't know how to act. Somebody doesn't know what to do, how to act. But I will say this too. There are people that, and of course you have to deal with people differently. Why? Because everyone's at a different level in their Christianity. I'm not going to treat a fellow minister the same way I'm going to treat a baby Christian. If I've got a fellow minister or somebody that's in the ministry that's doing things that they know better, they're still causing divisions. They're still bringing strife to the body of Christ. They're still speaking against other people behind their back and gossiping and telling lies and bearing false witness. I'm not going to deal with them with the same... Uh, harshness that I would deal with a baby Christian, I can't deal with a baby Christian that harshly. They don't know better. They just got saved. They're learning. They're working out their salvation with fear and trembling. They're they're being matured, you know. Amen. So I, I, there's a much more gentle approach for somebody who has just now come into the faith than there is a mature Christian who says they're in full time ministry. Higher standard over here, so you deal with it differently. Deal with it very differently. See, what do I do? Well, you're not ever called to correct your pastor. So well, I don't agree with my pastor. Okay, well, then why are you in that church? I don't agree with my, how my pastor preaches. All right, find a church where you can agree with the pastor then. And maybe it could be that you have so much pride, you refuse to turn the lamp upon yourself of God's word and see that there's something wrong that you need to change. Well, I feel like I'm being targeted. At my, maybe the Holy Spirit's just convicting you of something that needs to change in your life. It's not church hurt. It's called church correction. Holy Spirit's convicting you. I feel like pastors point me out. No, maybe it's just that the Holy Spirit is correcting you. I can't get with what my pastor preaches. Then why are you in that church? Why are you in that church then? I've had people actually tell me this. Well, I don't know. I know. I know the church we're in, is not right. They don't want the Holy Spirit. They don't love the Holy Spirit. They're not open to the Holy Spirit. They don't believe in soul winning and all that. But you know, I think the Lord's got me here to bring a change. Newsflash: He does not. You are not there to bring a change. You know why I know? God doesn't work by insubordination. God doesn't have an authority in the church and have people come from underneath the authority to to move them out of the way or change them. That's not how it works. It's not how it works. If you're in a place like that and the Lord's been dealing with you to leave, then leave. And don't be worried about leaving. Most people are just so comfortable in the position they're in that they'll never make changes, though they know they should. But then how do you, make, how do you apply this when you're a Christian in the body? If I'm encountering other believers that are bringing division and try, especially trying to get me involved, there's going to be a warning right off the bat. Hey, I'm just letting you know right now, I don't roll like that. I don't talk about people like you do behind their back. I don't do all that. So I would appreciate it. I don't want to hear this kind of stuff anymore personally. I've gotten up and left places before. I've removed myself from environments. I was in a service one time. Now I'm not going to get up and correct everybody. I was not the speaker, but I had a pastor tell me, oh, you're going to really like this message tonight. This guy that's getting ready to preach, oh man, he's a faith guy. He got up and just started mocking certain um, doctrines that we believe as full gospel preachers. Started mocking it, making fun of it, then started preaching stuff that was not, that was false doctrine. And uh, well, I'm not going to get up and say, hey, hand me that microphone, I'm going to bring some correction in this service. No, it's not my service. So what am I to do? I'm not sitting there and receiving it either. Because I'm not going to sit there and put my stamp of approval. People say, oh, there's Brother Ted on the front row of that service. He must tr- agree with that preacher and all that he's preaching. I don't. So you know what I did? I got up and left. Really? In the middle of the service? Yeah. I didn't make a big deal about it. I didn't storm out. You know, I said, when he, I told Carolyn, when he goes to that other side of the sanctuary again, just get your stuff. We're going to the parking lot. And we went out. You know, we kind of ducked out and went out the sideway. I'm not sitting there and put my stamp of approval on his nonsense. I don't agree with any of that. So I'm not sticking around and putting my, my stamp of approval on it. I'm out. Because I don't believe like you believe. And I don't mock the doctrines of scripture. I believe in them. And I stand on them. And I want them to manifest in my life. So you can be all uh, uh, snarky if you want to. But you, I ain't sticking around for it. And then when it's in, in a group. That's why the Bible says this. Watch. If you have something against someone. What's the Bible way? We go to that person privately. Do you know, I believe that so much of this could be handled without issue if we would simply just do what the Bible says and go to one another privately. Privately. If we would just obey that one instruction instead of, I have an issue with this person, I'm gonna go tell 10 of my friends about it. No. That's not the Bible way. That's actually disobedient to the biblical method. If you've got an, something against your brother or they have something against you, go to them privately and work it out. Work it out. Do you know the Bible says it's actually a stain on the body of Christ if a believer has to sue another believer in court? They shouldn't have to take a believer to court. What a slap in the face to Christianity out people from the outside looking in on us and they look at them they preach walking in love they preach peace and coming together and having unity and they can't even stay out of court with one another what a slap in the face that we have to sue one another as christians because we can't come together and solve our problems in love and i know it happens and i know sometimes it has to happen it's a slap in the face but you know why it's because people won't live like christians that's why If they did, none of that would ever be necessary. If they did unto others what they wish would be done unto them, none of that stuff would be necessary. We should be able to solve our issues one with another without having to bring other people in. That's why there's levels to this. That's why the first level, which is the best possible outcome, is to deal with it privately one-on-one. I come to you and say, hey, listen, I heard you had a problem or you said this. I just want to check it out with you because I know that's not your character. Give people the benefit of the doubt for crying out loud. You know, I, I wanted to check it out with you because I didn't think you'd ever say something like that about me or, you know, or maybe you just had a misunderstanding of what I said or, or what you said or, you know, I, I don't, I want it to be cool with us, whatever. I get that. Deal with it one-on-one. Deal with it one-on-one. And then secondly, the Bible says if they won't receive you if you go to talk to them one on one and they don't want to work it out the Bible says then bring two or three witnesses with you so that it can be known I'm trying to work this out I'm trying to walk in love I'm trying to walk in peace I'm trying and if they still won't receive you the Bible says then you've got to get the church involved you've got to get pastor involved you've got to get you know whoever's the leading that what have you got Somebody on staff that's an executive pastors or whatever. Now I got to get the church involved because this is serious. Division's not a small thing. Strife, problems, jealousy, envy. The Bible said. Paul said this, uh, or excuse me, James said this. Where those things exist, there will be every evil work. Every evil work. So it's not a small thing. So it's one on one first, then it's. Bring some witnesses with you and try to get, work things out. Finally, get the church involved. And if they won't receive, the, even from the one who's the spiritual leadership, you've got to avoid them. Have nothing more to do with them. They, they will not be corrected. They will not be corrected. Corrected. Go to Matthew 18. I want to show you this because I'm just trying to give you practical application. What do I do when there's people acting like this? Let it be known. Deal with them personally. If we would just do this, I promise you. Matthew 18 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Alone. If he listens to you, guess what? You've gained your brother back. If he listens, if you work it out, you've gained your brother back. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. So okay, that's level two. If he's so immature that he will not work things out with me and him, me and her, whatever, I'll bring my witnesses with me and say, listen, I'm trying to work this out. If they still won't listen, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Okay, hold on a sec. Let's break that down because there's a cultural reference you don't understand. You may not understand. A tax collector? What does that even mean? Well, we know what a Gentile is. This was written before the resurrection, which means the Jews were God's only people. So if he says, treat them like a Gentile, that means someone who's outside the faith, someone who's outside the religion. Gentiles and Jews did not do the same things. They did not serve the same God. So treat them like someone who's outside the faith, but a tax collector, what does that mean? Well, this is going to show you the harshness of this. If you study, and I told you to, uh, if you would do it, it's a great tool to add to your uh, library. The IVP Bible Background Commentary by Craig Keener from the New Testament. IVP Bible Background Commentary. Tiff will throw the link into into um, uh, into the comments. But one of the things you may not understand is when the Romans came in to occupy Jerusalem, what they would do is they would recruit Jewish people to then become the tax collectors for the Roman government. You may not know this. They would take Jewish people, by the way, Matthew was a tax collector. They would recruit Jewish people to be tax collectors for the Roman government, but here's what was crazy. It was common knowledge that tax collectors would often collect more than was due. It was really, looked at as a crooked position. So because these things were going on and these Jewish people had decided to side with the Roman government for the money they would get paid and whatever they could skim off the top, guess what? It was looked at from the Jewish perspective as these people are traitors. They are traitors to their own kind. Who? The Jewish people that agreed with the Roman government to become tax collectors. And skim off the top or collect more than was due and get paid by their enemies who were occupying Jerusalem, the Romans, under the power of Caesar. They were looked at as traitors. What is Jesus teaching? If you have a person among you that, number one, will not work things out with you personally. Number two, they'll not work things out with you even when there's witnesses. Number three, they'll not work things out with you even when it's brought to the church. Then guess what? Treat them like an outsider, but also treat them like a traitor because truly that's what they've become to the body. Why? Why do you say that? Because if you refuse to remove yourself from division, if you refuse to get out of that place where you're not walking in love, you are a traitor against the laws of God and the ways of Christ. You are betraying. You're not only betraying your brothers and sisters, you're betraying Christ who purchased you. This is what people don't get. If you don't get that, you are betraying not only your brothers and sisters in Christ, you are betraying Christ who purchased you because he's the one who has commanded us to stay free from divisions. Stay free from divisions. This is how big of a deal this is. I just gave you three passages that show you how massive of a deal. Titus that we started with, if there's someone causing divisions among you, after warning them once and twice, have nothing more to do with them. Romans chapter 16, verses 17 and 18, if there's anyone causing divisions among you, mark them and avoid them at all costs. Matthew chapter 18, if they will not listen to you personally, to you with witnesses, to the church, then mark them as what? A Gentile and a traitor. And a traitor. Say, man, that sounds pretty harsh, brother. It is harsh. But it's not like those people haven't had chances. It's that they refuse to change their ways. And if if you refuse to change your ways, you're out of line and are to be removed. Because you are obviously not, you have no desire to align yourself with God's word and his will and his purposes. No desire whatsoever. And so as a result, you're cut off. You're cut off. Now that's only as long as you remain in that mindset because Paul showed us in second Corinthians, even the man who was having sex with his stepmother was even at some point was willing to change. Paul said, bring him back in, forgive him. I forgive him. You forgive him, bring him back in. So it's not, you know, you're not excommunicado for the rest of your life. If you're willing to repent, if you're willing to change your ways and abide by what the Bible teaches, come on back in the fold. Come on back in. But only then. We're not going to put our stamp of approval on all the other stuff just because you're unwilling to change. It's Yes, it's time to block some people because I'm going to tell you what happens. Their crap becomes your crap. And I ref- I'm not living like that. We're not called to live like that. And as the Bible says, a little leaven leavens the whole lump. I don't want that spreading through my family, my friends. I don't want that spreading through the church. I don't want that. I don't want that at all. I want it cut off, nipped in the bud. I do not want it. It's vital. It's not some small thing. If it was a small thing, then it would have been talked about in Scripture very lightly. If it was a small thing. But it wasn't. It was dealt with not only by Paul, but by Jesus in a very harsh way. That if they're not willing to change, even if after being warned, then they are to be cut off. That was the first century version of being blocked. This person and any accounts they may create in the future have been blocked. Absolutely. Say, really, would you really walk like that? That's why I don't believe in this hyper grace message that things you do don't matter. They matter. They mattered to Paul. They mattered to Jesus. They mattered to the early church. You can't just live however you want and think you're going to have all the same benefits as those that are in the body of Christ doing what the Bible says to do. You can't. And so I know this, this is kind of ranting today, but I, it needs to be said. It needs to be heard. Amen. Do you know there are people that are in the body of Christ that are bringing divisions because they don't care for other ministers or other Christians that are doing it in a way that's different than them? So you know what they do? They speak against them publicly. They speak against them to other people. Foolish! That's a foolish mistake. Foolish mistake. Paul had to bring correction because what what were they saying to the Corinthian church? He's saying some of you are so immature because some of you are saying, "Well, I'm of Paul," while others are saying, "Well, I'm of Apollos. I'm in the Paul group. Well, I'm in the Apollos group." He said, "You're all immature. You're babies." You keep acting like infants in Christ. Infants in Christ. Amen. Listen, there are people that I wouldn't do it the way they do it, but they're having fruit. So why would I speak against them if they're having fruit? Well, I don't like their personality. Okay, you're not God. If they're a spiritual leader in the body of Christ, let God deal with them. They're not my servant. They're God's servant amen so I don't like I don't like the way they handle themselves okay fine see there's a difference between somebody committing something against you and you not liking the way they conduct themselves or not liking their personality or not liking the way they come across and if it's a spiritual leader that's producing fruit in the kingdom let God deal with them let God deal with them it's not your business and I'm going to tell you I'm going to tell you the very the truth of the matter is that people are so spineless for the most part that even if it is something that's against them they won't they won't do what the bible says and go to that person personally they won't they won't do it spineless so as a result they say it to other people they they bring it up to others they cause problems because they're bent out of shape it's a pro, it's a mistake that person's not your servant they're god's servant so either if you've got an issue that, that involved you directly, go to them and talk it out or whatever it might be. If they don't receive you, do what the Bible says, bring witnesses, take it to the church, whatever it might be. But don't go around telling everybody else about it. There's ministries in this nation and other nations. I don't agree with the way they do everything, but they're having fruit. So i mean, they come on the broadcast and call them out by name and say, oh, I'm going to tell you, I don't like the way. And I'm talking about spirit-filled ministries. I don't, I'm not talking about people that are preaching false doctrine. I'm talking about people that are preaching right doctrine. I just don't like the way they do it or the way it comes across. I don't like their personality. I don't like their methods. It's not my business. They're not my servant. They're God's servant. Well, I wouldn't do it like he did. Who am I to say that? I'm not their, I'm not their master. God's their master. Amen. And I hate people that... that I hate people always involving others in their problems. It brings division. I don't like it. Because we're not called to do that. It's not scriptural. Don't involve me in your problems. If you've got an issue, you deal with your own issues. It's not my issue. That's what Paul was dealing with when he, when he talked to the Corinthians. That's an infant way of thinking in the, in the kingdom of God. Infant. Infant. You're an infant if you, if you have to abide by the arm of Paul, arm of Apollos. Paul, I mean, I'm not saying that. Paul said that. He said, I have to treat you like babies in Christ. If you don't know that reference, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm not making this up. The Bible says... But I, brothers, this is the first verse of the third chapter. I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not with solid food. You're not ready for it. And even now you're not ready, for you're still among the flesh. For while there's jealousy and strife among you, you're not of the flesh behaving in a human way. And one says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed. As the Lord assigned to each, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. So neither he who plants or he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You're God's field, God's building. There it is. That's the whole point. It's not my business. And so, yes, if there are sinful things, you address them. You address them. You say, well, we're not to judge. No, the Bible says we are to judge. 1 Corinthians 5, we are to judge those within the household of faith. If it's a Christian, you do judge it. You do call it out. You go to them personally. And I know as I'm teaching this today, there are people listening to me on the broadcast, some are listening on the replay, some are listening on the podcast, and they're like, man, I've got like six names that have popped up in my spirit today of people that I need to just deal with, that I just need to either tell them I have no desire to go that direction, whatever it might be. I need to deal with that. Yeah, don't let it linger. Just because, and there's tons of people that don't like confrontation. I'm not one of those people. I have zero problem confronting. And anybody that knows me knows that. I have zero problem confronting, but it's, still no, it's not comfortable to anybody to have to confront. But some people won't take these steps because they don't want confrontation. They wanna just pretend like issues aren't there. That doesn't help. It doesn't help to just pretend at, like issues don't exist. They're there and they're causing problems whether you want them to or not. So deal with them. Deal with the problems deal with the problems and you'll be so happy you did because it keeps you in a place of unity Amen now I'll say this on top of that that there are people in the body of Christ I'll give you a very specific example that don't like something I've had this before for example uh, who was my pastor for 8 years Bishop Rick Thomas I, I was somewhere with somebody one time and they were uh, talking to me at lunch. They don't like the way that he did something or he, he, the way he conducted his ministry. Not, not a simple thing. The way that he even received an offering, the way he teaches on finances. I don't like that. I don't, I don't think you should take that much time or I don't think you should say things like that. Okay, I don't care what you think. Because first of all, what he said, all the things he said were right, biblical. He has the fruit of it in his ministry didn't do anything that was wrong whatsoever, and just because you're not used to it, or you came from a denomination that that doesn't have any strength in that area, and you don't have revelation in that area, it rubs you the wrong way because you don't know. Meanwhile, you're talking about or against a minister who has done hundreds of times more than what you've ever done, and maybe ever will do. And it seems foolish. And, but it blows me away That it doesn't seem foolish to them So I'll straight up correct them And tell them no you're wrong You don't know what you're talking about But I'm in covenant with him I'm in covenant with him So you think I'm going to stick around with people That are constantly going to one that uh, The person that I'm in covenant with No I'm not No I'm not I love you I pray God continues to use you I, I pray things go well for you I'm not going to speak against you publicly. I'm not going to come. But, but if you're going to speak against people that I'm in covenant with that way, then it doesn't matter who you are. I love you, but you're, you're not going to see me. You're not going to see me. Because I, I, it matters to walk in unity. This is the whole point of today's rant. It matters to walk in unity. Because I'm in, I'm in unity, I'm in covenant with him. I'm in covenant with Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. I'm in covenant with my father. There's men of God that I'm in covenant with, that I believe in, and so you may not like the way they do things. That's your problem. It's not my problem. That's your problem. And if you're, if you're going to speak against uh, my father, if you're going to speak against Bishop Rick Thomas, if you're going to speak against Dr. Rodney Howard Brown, if you're going to speak against those in my family, my cousin, others, my family, that I'm in covenant with, okay, that's... It's it's a free country Free speech You can do whatever you want I'm not going to speak against you But but I'm going to tell you something You won't see me You won't see me Because that's a stupid thing to do And it's a spirit of division That's harshly dealt with in scripture From Paul and Jesus And if you refuse to get out of it And you're so infant in your mindset That you can't get away from that It's your problem. You have lost the blessing of having relationship with me. You've lost that blessing. And it is a blessing. And I don't say that arrogantly or pridefully, but it is a blessing. Because I seek to be a blessing wherever I go. If you're in relationship with me, you'll be blessed because you have a relationship with me. Because I bless people. Yeah, beyond the fact that it's disrespectful, it's foolish. And it goes against the scripture. I mean... You know, if you're gonna, there are people that speak against my father. There are people that speak against Bishop Rick Thomas. There are plenty of people that speak against Dr. Rodney Howard Brown. But you'd have to be an absolute idiot to look at their ministries and think God's not placed his hand of blessing on their ministry, that God's not approving of their ministry. You can't see the power of God in operation like that and think that God is somehow displeased with their ministries. You'd have to be an idiot and to feel comfortable speaking against them. Whether to a room of a small few group of people. Whether from a pulpit. Whether at a lunch with somebody else. You'd have to be an absolute idiot to do that. That's right, Mary Beth. Touch not God's anointed. You'd have to be an idiot to look at that. And think it's not God. Total idiot. Well, you know. Dr. Rodney down there, Tampa, he's just, you know, just having a bunch of services all the time. And it's like, are you serious? You, you, think, you, you think that um, because he stood up and went to jail, you think he somehow uh, manipulated all this? You think he somehow manipulated all the finances to come in that God brought? You think he somehow manipulated building the pavilion and rebuilding the church? You think he somehow manipulated having thousands of people come from everywhere for 1,300 nights in a row, 1300 nights in a row? you think he mani- you can't manipulate that. You can't manipulate that. You think my father somehow manipulated the operation of the gifts of the Spirit in His ministry and in His meetings, you think that stuff's all put on? You can't manipulate creative miracles and and the gifts of the Spirit. You can't do it. To speak against people because they rub you the wrong way or because you don't like their methods, when you see the fruit of their ministry, that's why I said, I may have people that don't agree with the way they do things, I'm not going to get on here publicly and bash them. They're not my servant. And this is why I'm telling you, this is a big deal because the division it brings, according to scripture, is severe, and it is dealt with severely. Absolutely severely. Absolutely severely. And and I I don't have, we don't have time for it. The Victory Tribe doesn't have time for it. There's too much to do, there's too much to accomplish. We don't have the time. So I'm just telling, I'm encouraging you today. If you see these things happening, Just deal with them, and deal with them swiftly. Deal with them in love. You don't have to go blow somebody up just because they they took a wrong step, but you gotta deal with it. Talk to them. Talk to them. Say, hey, I don't know what that was about, you know, but I I don't function that way. I mean, whatever you gotta do, deal with it. Don't let it fester. Don't let it continue. Don't let the division, because let me tell you, and, and and that's the same with Miracle Word Church. I guard the unity of Miracle Word Church, though we're only three and a half months old, I guard and will continue to guard fiercely the unity of Miracle Word Church. It's not a, we're not having a church of cliques. We're not having a church of small little, uh, this is my friend, but I'm not her friend, but this is, his, he's my buddy, but that's not, I don't talk to him. We don't do that. That stuff will all be addressed if it ever happens, and I don't believe it will, because that's not our culture at Miracle Word Church. But we're severely and fiercely guarding the unity of of the people of God because it's unity that brings strength. We got to all be together pushing in the same direction. I'm going to celebrate your miracle just as much as I celebrate my own miracle. I'm going to give thanks. That's why I I post it. If God does something for somebody at our church, I'm posting it. We need to all rejoice when God does something for one as much as if he did it for us. That's unity I'm as, I'm just as excited to see Caitlin get blessed as I am to see Ron Taylor get blessed as I am to see Orlando get blessed as I am to see Scott get blessed as I am to see Matt D Joyner and his family get blessed as I am to see the Robinsons get blessed I'm, I'm just as excited as if it was my own blessing because I'm in unity with those people I'm in unity with Trinity when she gets blessed I get blessed Liz Mendez shows up. I'm just as blessed to see Liz get blessed as when I get blessed. Why? I'm in unity. I'm in covenant with you. And if I'm in covenant with you, I get just as blessed seeing you get blessed. Hallelujah. We've got unity. We've got unity. And I know there's people that listen to me this last week preach at church and say, you know, I made some some statements even during the offering. People are like, "Wonder where that's coming from?" It's coming from a standpoint that if people come into our church and they have a problem with the things we believe and the things that we preach, then don't come to our church. If if you're going to sit around and say, I don't know if I believe all that, well then this is not the church for you, that's just logical. That's logical. Find a church where they don't preach the things from the scripture that you have a hard time with. But I'm going to preach the full gospel and full counsel of scripture. But that's just, I'm helping that person. If you don't believe this, if you're going to have an issue with it, go somewhere else. Because we don't need division even in what we believe. We all believe the same thing. We all speak the same thing. We're all headed in the same direction. We are a team in covenant with one another. We're going to have miracles, signs, wonders. and I mean, it's going to be mind-blowing. It's going to be mind-blowing. Amen. Amen. Mike Laval said, "Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord's flitcher." <laughs> Amen. And I love God's people. That's why I want to see him get blessed. It all stems from what—a heart of wanting to see others blessed. You say, "Well, what about these people?" Notice what Paul's saying. Don't let it, because because I have a love for the whole body. I'm not letting one person bring division into the whole body. I'll remove that person, like the Bible says, in order to keep the unity we have in the body. Amen. Amen. I'll keep that out of the house so that we've got unity among the people so we can push forward and see God do what only he can do in our lives, in our families, in our businesses, in our ministries. And we are going to have blessing. We are going to be blessed. Hallelujah. Father, I pray for every person that's watching or listening to me today. I pray that you give them that kind of strength and boldness to step out and do what the Bible says. That we would not put up with division in the body. That we would not put up with schisms and uh, cliques. We, we won't put up with it. We are looking for unity. Give us that boldness. Give us that love. Give us that fire in our belly to go after what pleases you in our lives, in our churches and ministries in Jesus name. And I pray for it, Lord. Let us never be the one that walks around with uh, offense, that we're always offended. Lord, burn that out of us by your Holy Spirit. I refuse to be offended. I refuse to be offended in Jesus name. I walk in love. I walk in joy in the Holy Ghost. I receive my correction from the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.